0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to Kensington Temple. Please stand and put your hands together as we enter into our time of
1: Father, we surrender afresh today, this Pentecost Sunday. Father, would you come by your power and fill every heart, fill every mind, Lord. Would you remove every distraction, every disruption, every spirit, counterfeit spirit, anything, Lord, that is not of you, anything that separates us from you and your power, manifesting in every life, in every heart, in every situation. Father, would you come and would your glory fill this temple? Would you fill every mind? every heart bring realignment bring restoration bring order bring your glory father we long for your glory king of glory king of glory would you fill this place would you fill every heart would you refresh us father would you empower us for your mission for your plan and your purpose father oh lord we're desperate for you we want to leave this place changed from the inside out father would you come in power shape every life shape every heart mold us and shape us by your grace father your grace and your word that speaks a better word father we're hungry and we're thirsty for more of you we need a touch from the king we need transformational power not change for changes sake but change that brings transformation change that breaks every chain Change that sets the captives free. Change that brings order where there's chaos. Change that brings victory where there's been defeat. Change that brings glory, Father, glory. We need your glory, we need your power, Father. Open every heart. Take the scales off every pair of eyes. Unblock our ears. Help us to be more aware of your presence in our lives, Help us to be more sensitive to your spirit give every person in this place divine appointments this week to connect people to the Father's heart, Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. May your spirit fill us afresh today, Lord. Increase our appetite, increase our expectation in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Praise God. Welcome to our 11 a.m. service. It's great to have you with us. Why don't you take a moment as you take your seat and just welcome the person on your left and right. Make sure that they're doing well this morning. Just as you're doing that, the welcome team, our welcome team are making themselves available now. So if you are new or perhaps you've just been coming along to Katie a few times now, we like to place a lot of emphasis on you, the individual. So if you just take a moment to lift your hands, members of our welcome team would love to place a gift pack into your hands that just let you know a little bit about who we are as a church and as a ministry and about how you can find your place with us. So if you just take a moment to lift your hands, we'd love to place one of these packs into your hand and let you know how you can connect with us here at Kensington Temple. Also, just to welcome everyone that's watching online, we have a significant number of people that watch right across the globe who can't physically be with us in the building, but they are our brothers and sisters in the Lord, many of them watching in persecuted nations. And so it's really important that we acknowledge them this morning. So if you're watching online, do take a moment, let us know where you're watching from. And also if you have any prayer requests just under the video, you'll be able to leave prayer requests and our online pastoral team will be able to facilitate you in that. But can we take a moment just to welcome everyone that is watching online this morning. Let them know that they're encouraged and they're supported by us here at KT. If I could kindly ask the stewards to make available the June edition of the Revival Times. This is our church in-house magazine that just lets you know everything that's going on throughout the month of June here at KT. It's a really, really important resource for us as members of Kensington Temple because there's so many different events going on that we don't always get the time to highlight the different things that are happening. But to that end, I'd like to encourage everyone, if I can, to have a look at page 24 You will see on Tuesday gone, we just started our leadership fundamentals course here at KT. It's for the next four weeks, so it's five weeks in length, but you can still sign up for that. These stewards have registration forms that they will make available for you, and it just gives you a real opportunity to go further in your walk with God, develop your intimacy with Him understand how you can get involved in servant leadership, understand your role in the body of Christ and how you can grow in everything that Jesus has for you in your leadership gifting. So we really encourage everyone to sign up. There were over 50 people that signed up last Tuesday. This Tuesday you can still sign up, 6.30 at Kensington Temple. We really encourage you to get involved in that. Well, can we take a moment now and welcome Simon as he takes us forward in the service? Let's welcome him this morning.
2: Good morning, everybody. Happy Pentecost Sunday. Anybody open for a little more of the Holy Spirit this morning? It's really good to see you. And we're going to have the most incredible day. Are you expectant? Well, there's three of us expectant. How about four? Can we have an advance? Any four or five? We've got another celebration today because I don't know if you realize this, but actually Pastor Colin and Amanda Dyer are celebrating today 40 years of marriage. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Come on, let's give them our congratulations. And Jane is gonna present Pastor Amanda with some beautiful flowers. Congratulations. Stop! Where's your mobile
3: phone? <laughs> wow! <laughs> no, s- sweetheart, for for, for, for no, just it. one second. sec. Put put this, yeah. put this here. Forty years and we still agree. <laughs> put that in front. There you are. That's the artist coming out. Okay. Yeah, you, you wanted to.
2: I needed to tell everyone that I was married out of kindergarten.
3: <laughs> you were married in this, in this place. We were married in Kensington Temple 40 years ago. 40 years, we're about to enter the promised land. <laughs> uh, Scott, I, I don't know if they can see what I, I see. Can you just take this? It's got to go on Instagram now. I'm okay. So, in, no, no, that's, that's Facebook. Instagram's that way. Don't you know anything? Okay, here we go. Here we go. And then take a picture of the folks. Yeah, there we are. That's lovely. Smile, that's lovely. Um, Jane. Yeah, no, you can't go. No, you can't go. Selfie. <laughs> okay, okay. No, you can't go. So um, yeah, Sorry, Forty
2: years. I can't go. It's 40 years.
3: <laughs> Honey, you're here to stay. Know. <laughs> you know, um, just, just, just a, little, a little thing. We're having a lot of fun, and it's a great day for us, great day. Um, you know, uh, you were having your nails done. I mean, I'm, I'm not giving away any secrets yes. uh, uh, having your nails done, yes. and you mentioned something about. Being forty years married.
2: I was having a conversation with the person who was doing my nails, and she was saying she was married. She she just recently got married for the second time. She said to me, Are you married? And I said, Yes. She said, How long? Forty years. She said, That's impossible. <laughs> not forty not impossible looking me, but her she said, no one stays together with the same person for 40 years.
3: Well, I tell you, gentlemen, it helps. Don't be the same person, be lots of people. And she won't know which person you're gonna be on any particular day. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Simon um, and um, Jane, I know her name. (laughs) Simon and Jane, thank you, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be celebrating that with with you afterwards. But, But you know, we're gonna have some dinner, you know that, we're gonna have a bit of lunch. I don't know what the menu is downstairs, but it'll it'll be great. But in all seriousness, Simon and Jane were going to pray for us up here, and I I didn't want to say no to that. And we will continue to ask you to pray, so thank you for that. Your prayers are with us. But I had something else in mind. Uh, You know, we celebrate weddings at great expense, and so we should. But we don't celebrate marriages. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So, in many ways, us being together 40 years, I'm glad RT and Louise aren't here because they make us look like we're just beginners. They've been married 60 years. 54. 54 years. Thank you. I just love being corrected. It's just, <laughs> it's just, so, it's just so wonderful. I don't have to think for myself. Yes. self. <laughs> anyway the the, the 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 thing is is that i really not that we're experts not but it's it is the, the grace of god that we are what we are but i believe the holy spirit put something in my heart i believe I've, we've got something to impart 40 years of marriage and i want to pray for every husband, every wife, every marriage, and indeed those who are prospective in that, in that way. Would you all stand for those people in that category? All right. Don't be shy. You never know. What? How many people are married? Yeah, how many people have been married 40 years here today? 40 years or more I see that hand thank you, thank you, God bless you how many years? 45, I think 45 but after 40 years my ears aren't what they used to congratulations okay so I, I, I want us to pray for you Father we thank you I thank you we thank you for 40 years. We bless you for your goodness. We thank you, Father, that you bless not just weddings, but marriage. And I ask that whatever you've given us, Amanda and me, your presence, your joy, Your wisdom, the delight of companionship at every level. I pray that that blessing which comes from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit would rest upon every marriage, every husband, every wife. Every single person that is saying, "Lord, we are open to you and your plan for marriage." And I pray let me just pause, but the prayer I'm going to pray is such a big prayer. I'm going to, going to put all my faith into it, and I know you will join me. I pray that in our generation the Christian church, Christian men and women will be so vibrant in their marriages, in their families, that the world will take notice and say, we want to do that. How do you do that? And that marriage can be honored by all once again in our society. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen, and amen. Thank you, thank you. God bless you. Um, Did you have a knife? Okay. Oh, it is real, it is real. Uh, um, Yeah, you're going to get a slice. Yeah? Yeah? So, afterwards and in the welcome room, all of that. Simon, where's Simon? Simon's going to come and lead us. Thank you so much, Simon. Thank you, Jane. That's great. Those flowers are amazing. It saved me buying some flowers.
2: <laughs> oh. And of course, we had cake and flowers because that's all it takes for a successful marriage is cake and flowers. I think the secret to a successful marriage is being married to an Irish person. It's good to be family, it's good to be together and and we really do celebrate with you, Pastor Colin and Amanda, what a wonderful, wonderful celebration to have, 40 years of marriage and the good news is that there probably won't be another 40. (laughs) We're going to take up our tithes and our offerings now and... uh, If you can make yourself ready for that, we're continuing in worship to God and thanking Him for all that He's doing in our lives. And our stewards would love to help you if you desire to give this morning. They have some uh, offering envelopes that they'd love to hand out to you. You may have one already on your seat. And please take the time, if you would, please, just to make sure that all the details that you're filling out are as clear as possible. And while we're doing that, we're going to read the Scripture together. We're going to read out of Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to read verse 21. And this is what it says. It says, render unto God the things that are God's. Why don't you say that with me? Render unto God the things that are God's. I don't know if you've noticed this, but actually I recognized it in our little girl when she first went to nursery. She had this wonderful phrase and she kind of delivered it everywhere she went when she saw something she liked. It went something like this, that's mine. Which was fine and good in our house, except when she went to nursery, there were 30 other children who had the same sense of ownership over every single toy. No one has to teach us to gather things to ourselves. It seems like it's part of our carnal nature to accumulate as much as we can. And I believe that one of the reasons that this scripture is important to us this morning is that we need to recognize that nothing really is ours. We have just been given blessings from heaven out of the goodness of God's heart. Amen. We need to render unto God the things that are God's. Why don't you say that with me again? Render unto God the things that are God. Reading the story of the Good Samaritan recently, I realized there were three types of people present in that narrative The first one was the Levi or the priest. He had an attitude, which actually you need to be quite careful about, and this is that attitude. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. I won't ask you to repeat that. You probably do that quite well on your own. The second group of people in that narrative are the thieves, and they had an attitude, and this is one we really need to pay attention to. What's yours is mine, and I'm going to get it. Is there anybody here who's married? Just checking. But there's a third attitude, and it comes from the Good Samaritan himself. He says this, what's mine is yours, and I'm happy for you to have it. Why don't you say that with me? What's mine, in fact, just wait wait a minute. Why don't you say it to somebody you mean it with? What's mine is yours, and I'm happy for you to have it. Well you know church we we like to celebrate community and i think we've just modeled it and those that you now owe a lot to will be waiting at the door to receive your blessings on the way out everything we have is because god is good amen We render unto God the things that are God's. Everything we've been blessed with, all our finances, all our relationships, are because God is good. And to keep us connected to that truth, we have been asked of the Lord to come into his house and to bring offerings and tithes, the first fruits, the 10% of all that we are, to remind us that our source is not our ability We don't have to grab everything while we're here as human beings. And we don't have to defend everything while we're here on this earth. Because God is the giver and the joyous giver to those who are in his family. Everything is God's. Everything we see, everything we have. And when we come to him and we give our tithes and offerings in worship, we're simply saying this to him. God, I know that you're the source of all good things in my life. As Emily grew up, we used to point to the fields and say, that field belongs to God, Em. And she'd say, do the cows belong to God? I said, which ones do you like? She says, the black and white ones. We'll take those then into the kingdom of God. And we went through this whole season with her where we tried to help her understand that the world is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and we as his people are the benefactors of his generosity. Let's stand together as we receive your tithes and offerings. We're rendering unto God the things that are God's. Father, would you bless us as we give to you? Because, Father, you are the one who gives so much, a pressed down, shaken up, and overflowing reality. Bless our hearts, bless our homes, bless our relationships, bless our finance. Who needs a financial breakthrough today? Father, bless our finances as we step towards becoming, more like you, and understanding that the source of all that is good has come from you, we ask these things, and we display our worship in this manner, for your glory, for your honor, and your praise. Now we've got a wonderful solo for you, I think, is that right? Oh, we got the offering song first, are you ready to sing? Oh, all three of you, are you ready to sing? Okay, thank you.
1: Take your seats and Temmie will now minister to us.
3: you getting to hear what the Spirit is saying. It's a prophetic word. There's a breaking in the spiritual realm. And it's a breaking in your favor. There's a change of direction. Let, just let her be blessed. Let her be blessed. Don't worry. You leave her. She's fine. She's fine. You know when the Holy Spirit's working. Leave her. She is fine. She's fine. She's, she's, uh, how does that go? There's a breaking in my favor. There's a shifting. There's a shifting. It's a shifting in the spiritual realm. There's a shifting. A change is taking place. There's a shifting in your direction as you praise Him. Everybody stand to your feet, sing that bit. One more time everybody, and this time get the revelation as it flows. It's a breaking, it's a breakthrough. There's a change of direction. Old things are passing away. God is doing a new thing. Go ahead, give Him a mighty praise. Come on, a mighty praise. Oh no, that's not a mighty praise. Hey, be seated, everybody. Please be seated. You know, please be seated. You let her go. Let her go. Don't worry about this. Let her go. That's all right. If she gets too into it, we can help her into another room, but she is enjoying God. We are Pentecostal people, which means that we. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. I would to God that He would break into every one of your lives as he's breaking into her life. Thank you. you know, we are I think too too unaware of the spiritual realm. And I have been doing a lot of work. My colleagues, have been sharing with them. I've got a group of and we are looking together at a new, when I say new, it's not new, it's all in the Word of God, but a new perspective of the spiritual realm. Today, my message I'm going to introduce some of this but I'm going to focus on the Holy Spirit. He is supreme all-powerful eternal uncreated spirit but how many know that God has two families? you know he's got two families? He's got his family on the earth, that's you and me, sons and daughters of God, but He has also a heavenly family. Now, we're not always aware of that. We've been singing all heaven's host praise everybody. you know what's happening in heaven. Now we don't know everything, but we know that God, even before He created us, He created a heavenly family. We, we know them as the angels, the heavenly host. And they are called sons of God too. Did you know that? And God's plan and purpose is to have two amazing families. And he's building his family on earth upstairs in heaven. It's a done deal. But God's plan is to unite these two families together. And we will be judging angels. We will stand in the midst of the heavenly council of God and be entrusted with ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ in the future kingdom. Right now, we're in training for reigning. And in Great Britain, we've got a lot of reigning going on to help us train. So uh, the next two Sunday evenings, I'll launch more fully into this. And I've I've prepared a leaflet for you. Angels, demons, and the heavenly sons of God. And underneath that, I've got a list of questions which you might say, well, I know the answers to those, but uh, maybe you do. But these questions are questions that people are asking. I know. I watch YouTube. I know. Out there, so many people are thirsting For spirituality. And there are many, many spirits, but not all the spirits are from God. And so we have to develop discernment as well as a healthy appetite for the spiritual realm and dimension. And so, questions like who created God? You say, well, that's an old one. Actually, it's very relevant. Are there any other gods out there? Who is the Nakash of Genesis 3? You say, well, it's Hebrew. It's very simple. is Hebrew. It's just to say, well, what is the Nakash? That's the question I want you to ask. That's the snake in Genesis 3. Do angels and demons really exist? Why were we created? Is heaven real? What does the future hold? Why is salvation offered only in the name of Jesus? Why is that? What authority do we have over the devil? And what is spiritual warfare all about? Those kind of questions, and I won't be able to do them. I've got two messages preparing for the next two Sunday evenings. Take the leaflet. Give it out to other people because many, many people, your friends, um, maybe even atheists, but usually the people who, are, who believe that there's something out there, whether it's aliens or whatever or angels, they don't know, but they, they, they will be interested in this. But what's very important is that God wants to introduce us in um, a more revelatory way, and by revelation I mean what the scripture is teaching, about the heavenly realm. Because we have to become more and more spiritually aware and spiritually discerning so that we can be equipped for life on the planet over the next few years as well as life forever in heaven and what does that mean what does that look like i'll to touch on it but my focus today is on the coming of the holy spirit my title intriguingly is a taste of eden i'm turning to acts chapter 2 reading the first 13 verses, and I hope that this will be a, an introduction, a, a launching pad into a new perspective of the spiritual realm. What is God up to? Day of Pentecost, we know what it's all about. Pente, 50 days, 49 to be precise, after the resurrection. We have the day of Pentecost and that's where we as a family of churches get our name. We say we're Pentecostals. Why? Because we think something happened on the day of Pentecost which is still fresh today. The Holy Spirit came, he came to stay. Jesus said he's going to abide, he's going to remain with you and he is the living personal contact with the Father and the Son and the very next thing that the Holy Spirit will do when the time is right will introduce us when Christ comes again. We're going to see Jesus face to face. And this is the story and I'm going to dig into it today just a little bit. When the day of Pentecost arrived they were all together In one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And uh, divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt. The parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they're filled with new wine." Taste of Eden, paradise. What is paradise to you? What would you consider to be paradise? For me, it's a mango tree. (laughs) I could take you to the very place, I could take you to the very tree, I won't tell you exactly where it is. It could be West Africa. It could be East Africa. It could be Brazil, the mangoes in Brazil. It could even be the Philippines. After I've been to the Philippines, they have a mango, the mother of all mangoes. The paradise for me is sitting under that mango tree reaching out and taking the gift of God, the fruit that must come from heaven itself, and not handing it over to somebody from Chef who can carve it up neatly so you don't spill a drop. I like to tear away the skin and with both hands African style. Eat that mango. Until I have a baptism... Of mango juice. <laughs> now, really, it's not the mango. It is for me, whether I, I love mangoes. You may be allergic to them, but I'll pray for you later. <laughs> it, it's just so much like a blessing from God, it's so beautiful that, you know, this, this comes from somewhere. This is like a reminder in this little piece of earthly goodness of the wonderful, abundant, and provision of God. And because of that, it is in that experience which I described, not the mango, but the presence of God. Now, your idea of paradise might be different from mine, but I tell you, if it really is any form of paradise, God will be there. That's what Eden was all about. Did you know that? Eden, the paradise of God, the garden of God, it was what it was because God's presence was there. It was not The luscious garden with streams and rivers, delicious fruit and friendly animals. It was not just Adam and Eve living in perfect harmony. Darling. You heard 40 years of marriage today. But I imagine Eve sitting under the mango tree or whatever it was brushing her hair and Adam gently tilling the the ground. The two coming together, no doubt, for lemon tea, cucumber sandwiches. (laughs) Now, some of these things might be a kind of fair picture. I I don't know. But what I do know is that none of that was the real glory of the place. The real life and beauty in the garden was God's presence. It was more than a garden, it was the dwelling place of God. Eden, which God planted, was his official earthly place of residence. Such that Between Eden and heaven, there was no barrier. There was an open barrier, an open heaven. Heaven touched the earth at a place called Eden. Now, we know Adam and Eve had company. There was someone else there. The nakash, the snake. Now... When you look at the story, you realize that this was no ordinary snake. This was not just a beast of the field. Because in the Bible, or outside the Bible, snakes don't talk. Don't worry about that question. How can a snake talk, mommy? Well, you see, there was a snake, yea, then more than a snake When you look at this and you see what is happening, it doesn't take much time before you realize that this is no ordinary snake. This is a supernatural being. And if heaven and earth met together in Eden, it shouldn't be surprising that supernatural beings may have also been present. Oh no, at least one. And when we begin to examine this, we we realize that in the culture of the day, gardens as dwelling places of divinities were not uncommon in cultural ideas. And also that there, there were in the culture different ways of expressing this, but there were kind of Serpentine creatures that were throne guardians. And it seems that the Bible takes this imagery and saying, yes, God's throne is in Eden. It was not just a place of residence. It was a place of government. It was a place of glory. And God was there. His throne was there. And so we could probably, with a little bit of uh, of, uh, accuracy... Consider this to be one of the creatures of God, heavenly creatures of God, serpentine, not in a negative sense, but just that was the way it was. But when we look closely, we see that this heavenly being, in the form of the nakash, the serpent, is is up to something. We see a being in rebellion. We'll go into this in a little more detail when we come to the fuller series. But, but there's an intention here to destroy God's plan that he recently enunciated. Fill the earth and subdue it. Go on. Go on. Multiply. Be fruitful. Take what you have here and spread it all over the earth so the whole of the earth will be filled with earthly sons and daughters surrendered to him, full of his presence and the whole earth will become a holy temple unto God. That was the plan. Now for some reason this creature said no way and enters in and we find just not the fall of Adam and Eve but the fall of the serpent as well. And the serpent is cursed and, uh, and Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden but it's not game over because of the merciful God and we know that the promise came that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. But God began again, so to speak, and, and the earth became populated and and then just about the time of the flood in Noah's day, we read that the whole earth had become corrupted. How that happened, we will examine at another time. But, but it was so, so serious that the Bible says God regretted having created human beings in the first place. But he didn't give up on his plan. He said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to start again. And he washed it all away Uh, 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 and then he said to Noah and his family go on now you be fruitful you multiply go on go on you pick up the plan and they did for a while but there came a moment when all the nations who spoke one language got together in one place and they said we are now going to take over We are going to now build a building so high that it will reach up to heaven, and we will invoke heaven, and we will bring heaven down to earth our own way, and we won't ask any question who's coming down. God said, Oh, no, no, no. This is my plan. It'll be done my way. And so he said, Right, what we've got to do is this I'm going to confuse your languages. Not one language. But everybody spoke in their own language, and God then allotted the nations to various territories around the world in a way of saying, right, okay, you guys, you get what you've chosen, but I am going to start again. And he said, I'm going to choose one man, Abraham. And out of that, we have all the nations, and then one special nation. God began his plan again. Abraham, through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You, Israel, shall be a light to the nations. He hadn't given up on the rest of the world, but this was the outworking of his plan at that time in that way. And in the middle of this, he showed himself with fire on the mountain of Sinai. He showed himself with fire and his Shekinah glory in the tabernacle, in the temple. And there in the Holy of Holies, God came down. It was the resting place of the soles of the feet of the God of Israel. Another kind of Eden. And if you look in the temple, you see all kinds of flowers and trees and fruits. God is saying, I've not given up on my plan for Eden. And the Eden project continues. And anyway, fast forward. Uh, Israel grows and Israel rebels and Israel and Judah they're sent into exile and God brings them back but it was not a perfect reconciliation and God says there is still yet something else that must happen. The word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so in Jesus, we find the supreme point of connection. Never since Eden had there been such a manifestation of God's presence, this time not in a garden but localized in the incarnate God himself in the person of Jesus. Now, Jesus, I'm destroying this temple. What temple was he talking about? His body. He was the temple of the Lord and he was bringing a, a whole new community so that out of that community there would be a holy temple unto the Lord and carry his presence on the earth. But we know third day Jesus rose again he appeared on the earth for another 40 days or so and then he ascended to heaven Jesus no longer present on the planet and that has not altered from that day to this he's not here physically He's at the right hand of the Father. But there having received the promised Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost, the next stage of the plan of God's Eden project takes place. God himself comes down at Pentecost and he's not visiting. It is not a holy visitation. It is a holy permanent habitation. He's not going back. He's here to stay. So we got all of that. Now we know that the coming of the Holy Spirit is not the end of the Eden Project. It's the current stage of the Eden Project. Eden Project is going to continue and continue and it will climax in the new heavens and the new earth when the new Jerusalem, the holy garden city will be manifested on this earth. There will be no temple there because God will be there. And this is the consummation of the ages. God says, I will dwell among them. I will make my habitation with humanity forever. And at that time, the heavenly and the earthly will be reunited and the Eden project will have reached its fulfillment but with aeons and aeons and aeons and generations and generations and years and years and years of glorious outworking of what God will do through your life and my life when we get to heaven. We're not going to be sitting on clouds playing harps. We will do that, I suppose. But we we are going to be his ambassadors. We are going to judge angels. We are going to do all the stuff that God has ready for us to do. So get ready because you're in training for reigning. I want to focus in on that day, the day of Pentecost, which I'm calling a taste of Eden. Taste because it's not the full thing yet. It is a foretaste of heaven itself. Three things about this. First of all, it was all about God's presence. I'm not just talking about his everywhere presence or his here, there, another place presence. It is about God manifesting his presence and choosing to live in us, with us, and amongst us. That's his plan. Now it's very clear that it was God who came down on the day of Pentecost. It's very, very clear, particularly to anybody that has read the Old Testament, because the reference to the rushing mighty wind and the flames of fire, all of these are evocative of the moments in Old Testament history when God showed up, when God manifested His presence and here we have the presence of God coming as the Holy Spirit. This tells us that God is not just Father, not just Father and Son, but God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is as fully God as Jesus is fully God and the Father is fully God. Say, so, well, that's just complicated. No, it's not. You go back to the Old Testament, you find that there are so many references where Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, appears. Uh, And then there is a second angel of the Lord who is also Yahweh. And Yahweh talks to Yahweh. There are two persons, one God. And a little more uh, sparingly, there are some examples where you can be very clear that the Holy Spirit is also Yahweh talking to Yahweh. We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right there in the Old Testament Not in a fully developed understanding as we get to the New Testament. Yes, of course not. But he is there. And it is God in the third person, the Holy Spirit, who came down at Pentecost. Not some influence or force or lesser lesser kind of manifestation. God himself came. Because the greatest gift of all, the greatest gift that God will give you, in fact the only promise of God to his people and he can do no better than this is the promise of himself and the promise of his presence do you know that your presence is the greatest gift you could offer anybody else 40 years of marriage i want to testify it's not it's probably blatantly obvious but for 40 years Amanda has been there with me she's been there that's the greatest gift of love could ever offer I'm not talking about just being physically present maybe you are here today physically present but absent in mind if that's you, come back, come back. Yeah. I feel for you, but come back. And you know you can be with somebody and, and they're there, but they're not really there. You know, the lights may be on, but nobody's home. That's very superficial relationship. Yes, dear. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes. I sold the house. Yes, dear. Mm. Yes. I robbed a bank. Oh yes, dear. Yes. You're there, but you're not listening. The greatest gift you can offer to somebody is your presence. I don't know if you know people like this. Some people seem to have the gift of presence. We should try and develop it. That when you're talking to them, they're not thinking about somebody else. You're talking to them, they're not going on the mobile phone. Oh, yeah. They're not looking around like a mere cat to see who else, is, who else they'd rather be talking to. They talk to you and behave not only as if you're the only person in the room but the only person in the world. That's how God manifests his presence to you. You, when he's present, are the most important person. It was as if Nobody else existed. His presence is that personal. But of course, the amazing thing with God is He can be personal and present with you and you and you and all of us at the same time. In the study of human psychology, there are whole systems of psychology and counseling based on this one concept one person being fully present and focused on another person and they say it's that that itself is the therapy for so many people your presence can be a healing presence just by attending being fully focused and that's the ki- that's the level of fellowship we want with one another uh, which we crave for from God himself. Presence. This presence is paramount because the fundamental of the Eden project is relationship. It is a relational revelation. God's nature, as he reveals himself, is relational. Father, Son, and Spirit. Then he created the heavenly host. And the heavenly host and the, the, the morning stars sang as God brought forth the rest of creation. They were witnesses to everything. Oh, there's so much here about relationship. And, and he created us as humans to be in relationship with him he calls us sons and daughters. We are his sons. We're his children. That's family. That's relationship. It's nothing to do with religion. It's a living relationship, and the Holy Spirit is there characteristically for relational purposes the love of God, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship. The relationship of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. you got to get to know Mr. Holy Spirit you got to get he's a person he has feelings he has thoughts he has plans and and he wants to share them with you he's a person and he is the living personal contact we have with Jesus he brings the spiritual presence of Jesus to us Jesus' body is in heaven but his spirit is here that's how we know him and the Holy Spirit's ministry is to spotlight Jesus to say oh come on look at him isn't he amazing and you fall in love I keep falling in love with him over and over and over again. That's a song, but I won't sing it. Maybe Simon will rescue me at the end of the service when we get to singing. Oh, it's so wonderful. Relational theology. The reality of a relational God. And you know what? I've discovered, you know, I am working so hard. I love being at home here with you. I love it. Thank you. I, I love it. And that the days are coming when you're going to release me. You're going to send me out. Simon is here to stay. But I'm going to be released by you into something wider. And it's begun now. I spend as much time as I can getting to know people. Young people especially who don't know God as such. They're so thirsty for him and everything they cry out for. I just kind of want to say, look, here, here. What you're looking for is here, here. But they think, don't bring that book out. They're not interested. They don't know where the answers lie. But they're longing for relationship, loneliness. Loneliness. Young people who are cut off from family who are empty because of negative experiences in their life, who've grown up without understanding that they are valued. And God wants to take them and hug them and say, I value you. And when the Spirit comes upon you, it's the Spirit of adoption. It's the same Spirit that was upon Jesus and came upon Jesus having heard The declaration from heaven, you are my beloved son, I delight in you. The Holy Spirit is the revelation and experience of God's delight over you. If only you knew how delightful you were to him. You'd worry less about your sin and shame, but ensure that both your sin and shame would be understood to be nailed to the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ fits you perfectly for a relationship with your heavenly Father in which he delights in you and you delight in him. That's Christianity. Presence. But there's more. There is a purity. A deep purity supernatural purity that comes when the spirit comes upon your life separates you unto God yesterday Scott was officially ordained and separated into the Elam ministry so now you'll have to call him reverend whether he bela- behaves it or not. <laughs> but that's a, a kind of setting apart and a recognition. And when the Spirit comes on you, and you're like, God grants you, Scott, more of the Holy Ghost you've ever had in your life. Yeah. But it's the Holy Spirit that separates you to God. And if he's the Holy Spirit, guess what? You're going to get it. You're, gonna un- you're going to get it what it means to be holy, to be so full of the Holy Spirit that you you don't want anything else. You just want to say more. And so there is a purity here. And we know that whenever disciples in the book of Acts were baptized into the Holy Spirit Received the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit fell upon them. All those terms are very similar in understanding. It was an evidence that they were sons of God, daughters of the living God, the spirit of adoption. You're separated unto God. Holiness is not looking at sin. Hold it for whatever reason. Apart from say, I shouldn't have done it. God, help me. And you turn away from it as quickly as you can. And you look at Jesus. You pursue Christ. If you're pursuing Christ, you're leaving all that stuff behind. You can't pursue Christ by looking at your sin. It's very hard to run backwards. You turn your back on your sin and look at Jesus. Pursue him. That's holiness. It's his character. It's his love. Being reproduced in our lives. That's what being born again is all about, receiving a new nature, a holy nature from the Holy Spirit, born of the Holy Spirit. And from that moment onwards, I'm not saying it's not a struggle. I'm not saying you don't have to make effort. But I tell you what, without the Holy Spirit, nobody can live a holy life. It's not even holy without the Holy Spirit. It's fleshly. And flesh is very polymorphous. It has many shapes. You've got religious flesh, you've got beautiful flesh, you've got ugly flesh. Don't look around right now when I talk. (laughs) But flesh is flesh. Whether it is a minister of the gospel wearing all the Roman clothes of high office in ecclesiastical position or whether it is a person who is... The biggest scoundrel in town. It's all flesh until the spirit comes. and he transforms you, and the change works from the inside out. So there is presence. there is holy purity. Oh, the holy Spirit, wind of God is blowing in this place. It's not just the ventilation system, it's the Holy Spirit. I want to say something. I've said this before, but it's a good time to remind you. The move of God, it may be thin at the moment, but it's going to, and and a bit shallow, but it's going to, we're going to go deeper and it's going to become more profound We're, we're, we're in it. It might just be the outskirts. But this move of God, you are going to be amazed At the spirit of holiness that's going to be upon the people of God, not because they're self righteous, legalistic bigots, but because they're genuinely in love with Jesus. And things that you're struggling with now, you wait. Well, don't wait, get rid of it now, but you wait in the new move of God. You will be amazed at what victories God is going to give you over sin, over the flesh. Over all the stuff. Now I'm saying we're never going to stop struggling. There will always be a battle. But there is a new anointing that will bring you into a new level of holiness and purity. And you look back and say, what was all the argument about? This is amazing. This is wonderful. More God. I want to walk closer to you than ever before. Presence, purity. The final thing I see here is power. Now, we get it straight away, so it talks about they were enabled to speak with tongues, God gave them the ability to do that, and beyond that we know what came from this was the ability to be witnesses for Christ, to live before a world that was far more pagan than our world today, a world that was far worse for Christians. Many of them lost their lives far worse than today. You think Britain and Europe today? I tell you what, the first century, greco roman world was awash with levels of wickedness, corruption, and demonic control. That makes our time right now look a little less difficult than we might think. But God gave them power. It's all about enablement. And just look at the context. Now, I'll come back to this another time, but just just for the moment. I've, I've highlighted all this in red in my notes here because there is so much here that is a reference to Babel and the backdrop is Eden because when God comes it's about Eden and we're tasting of Eden when we taste of the Holy Spirit but God here from the day of Pentecost is reversing what took place at the Tower of Babel, remember God said they're all together, they're all in one place, they all speak the same language, I'm going to confuse their languages so they don't understand one another, I'm going to scatter them and I'm going to allot territory for each of these nations and I'm going to turn away from them for a time so I can raise up a new nation, a nation that will be one day a light to these nations a nation that will one day bring forth the Messiah who will be the light to all the nations of the world. Now on the day of Pentecost God is saying Eden project still goes on and I am reversing Babel and here we have a bunch of united believers all together in one place and they speak in other tongues and this time it's not a scattering, it's a rejoining, it's a uniting and you know what when you look at the nations that were represented here by these Jews who had lived in the diaspora in the ancient world, virtually the whole territory that is described in the book of Genesis because of Babel, they are there. You begin in the east, you go further up, and you go as far west, you almost get to Spain. All the nations are mentioned here. God says, okay, here nations now, you will know that my time to take you up again, it's the time for the nations, It's the time for me to show myself as the God of all nations and salvation may be from the Jews but it's not only for the Jews. That's why in the name of Jesus and in the name of Jesus only is salvation and no salvation is found in any other name because only in Christ has the principalities and the powers of darkness been thwarted and the gods of the nations have been judged and he's tearing them down and the principalities and powers are defeated. He's disarmed them, completely overthrown them. And we have been commissioned to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to take the good news of the freedom and liberty and fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it all began on the day of Pentecost. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. When I read it, I exaggerated the words of listening Because, you see, we often emphasize the words of speaking. They spoke with new tongues. And when they spoke, other people heard. The emphasis in the text is on hearing. I don't know how it worked out, but I do wonder if it's not a little like what I'm about to describe. You think about it, there are all these crowds. How could everybody hear their own language? I mean, you know, you go out in the middle of London and you hear English plus a whole lot of other languages And it's only when you're up close can you hear it. What they're talking, but you listen to everybody together, you know what they're talking, and you can only tell it's not English because some people are more excited and other people are more like this. But anyway, that's how you might know. But in those days, how did they know? Now, let me tell you a story. I'm not saying this is a perfect interpretation or the only way of understanding it, but I just wonder. Sitting over here, a number of years ago, was one of our mamas. You know what, a mama? She probably was Nigerian. And she sat there, and she was in in the church early. And she's praying, and she's speaking in tongues. She's praying, she's speaking in tongues, and ah, a little while later, somebody else comes, sits not far from her, starts listening. Ah, ah, You're from my village? No, I'm praying, don't disturb me. No, you must be from my village. What is your village? No, I never heard of this village. But you are speaking my village dialect. No, I'm praying to Jesus. Leave me alone. No, you don't understand. I've just heard you describe my life and tell me that I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to ask you how to do that. The mama was saying, Huh? Really? You're telling me? I'm just talking to Jesus. So maybe, just maybe, the miracle is not just in the talking, but the miracle is in the hearing. It might be, that that's what it, I don't know, but whatever it is, it was supernatural and it was a miracle, and people heard the gospel. And this was God saying, This is why the Spirit has come. It is not just a relational presence, it is a missional power. Amen. We're called. Oh, Yakabasata. We're called. I'll finish. I've got to finish because I want you to experience more of God. More of God. This is everybody out on the platform will know what my signal is here. tell them (laughs) okay you're great so here it is what a great book title and I copyright it now so nobody has the right to copy it it's time to leave your mango tree What, what do I mean I love those moments and there could be hours and days and seasons. You're under the mango tree, and all you are enjoying is the good things. God's satisfying your mouth with good things. You are receiving, but suddenly God says, what are you doing here? There are people out there. They need you, get away from your mango tree. Take mangoes with you, that's my advice. (laughs) Take mango with you, because you will need, you need to be refreshed on the journey. But there is a time for waiting and there is a time for going. And when the Spirit of God comes, He calls you to wait and also to go. Some of you need to leave your mango tree. And understand that the purpose of the coming of the Holy Spirit is not just for you to sit under the mango tree and to enjoy the fruits. Enjoy the blessings. I like the house of God. Why? The blessings. I want more blessings. But you got lots last year. Yes, I want more blessings. What are you doing with them? I'm receiving them. What are you doing with the blessings? I'm collecting blessings. You come to my house, I give you a whole room of blessings. I collected 25 years. What have you done with them? I'm not just having a go at Africans. I'm just crazy today. I, I could put it in other language if you wish. But the point is yes, receive. The relational presence of God. Hear the word from heaven. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. Get the affirmation of the Father into your spirit. And then open your spirit. You see what happens is a hurting, damaged heart is a closed heart. That's one of the things that blocks you more from this open heaven. Not that heaven isn't open to you, but your heart is closed to heaven. Why? Because you're hurting a hurting heart. It's a closed heart. You say, well, let God heal me, then I open my heart. No, you've got to open your heart for the medicine to come in. Amen. Your kids, you want to give them some Calpol. Open wide. Open wide. Come on, come on. Here's a marshmallow. Oh, and then in comes the... <laughs> you've got to open. You've got to open your heart. And you can do so in the presence of God because he... it's a safe place. Amen. It's a safe place. And when your heart is open, you say, God, I want more. I want more. Simon, I need you. Especially your singing ability. Can you come and help me? Give your hands for the pastor who is able to sing. Okay. I want you all to stand in his presence. And um, Simon, if you'd just be kind enough to flow, help me singing, lead them into the presence, and then we're going to pray. Everybody lift your hands in this presence.
2: you worship you
3: Come on everybody lift your hands and, enter and have
2: in. your way. Come and have your way in us today. Have your way in us today. Spirit-
0: Day. Spirit, you. Jesus, have your way.
3: Stay in this moment for um, for a little while. Just stay in this moment, just for a little while. Keep your hands uh, 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 outstretched. And it's not just a charismatic posture. It's not just an external thing. As you, I find so often, when I just open my hands to God. It's like saying, I've got an open heart. I'm ready to receive from you. I I value your presence. I value your presence. Let the Holy Spirit's presence continue to rest on you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The comforter abides. He dwells. He's not going anywhere. The trouble is we are going somewhere. We don't wait enough. Tonight, Simon is going to speak on being saturated by the Holy Spirit. And to be saturated takes time. It takes a very heavy rain to saturate you from the door of your house to your bus or your car. But when you stay with no umbrella, no barrier, and you let Him, you spend time in His presence, He saturates you. You get soaked in His presence. And that soaking goes deep. And there's changes. And you come out of that time of soaking, and you know what? Nothing seems the same. What's changed? Nothing. What's changed? Everything. Because when God's presence takes over, your perspective changes. something is breaking over your lives there's a new direction flowing and it's breaking and flowing for your good keep your hearts open God is sing in tongues you know you can be released in the gift of tongues now well, I don't speak in tongues don't let that stop you the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak with new tongues on the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit will enable you as you speak out you'll discover words coming from your mouth that you've never learned it's the release it's the utterance of the Spirit Soak in his presence, soak in his presence. Open your heart, engage, engage. Transformation. Revelation. break up the meeting, of course I'm not breaking up your meeting with God, you carry him with you, there's another jet coming in on the runway, wanting to land, and then, but tonight at 5.30, after that, there's no more jets, you can stay, so the 2.30 service, Scott is speaking on a very important related matter. You're stretched by your circumstances, stretched and under pressure, healthy voices and healthy choices, listening to what God is saying to you in the midst of so many other voices. It's going to be very helpful, particularly for young people today in the afternoon service and tonight, saturated by the Holy Spirit, the deep, profound effects the Holy Spirit. Simon, thank you. I love the presence of God. I, do. I love, I love the Holy Spirit. And what he's doing in our lives. Thank you. God bless you. Mm-hmm. Now, lunch is available. Chicken chasseur, a la classique, uh, recipe French, made with chicken thighs, white wine, herbs. Oh, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm converted already. And then, of course, for the Italians, beef lasagna. A mix of vegetables. Okay, so that's down there. It's five pounds together with a drink. You can get your tickets downstairs. Anyways, you take care of you know how to take care of that afterwards. Stick around and enjoy that, and uh, don't forget two thirty service is going to be great. And also, why don't you why don't you make an exception? Why don't you embarrass the devil and show up here at five thirty again? What I thought you'd gone home. No i want more of jesus are you ready here's the grace may the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with us all now and forever and surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell forever amen cake for everybody as you leave For visitors and newcomers, the door on my right, there'll be cake there for you, but we also want to welcome you in our welcome reception. God bless you.